Welcome to the Trinity Radio Podcast. This podcast has a video component found at youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter. This means you might miss some visual aspects of the show, but it shouldn't have a serious negative effect. We'd love it if you'd run over to the YouTube channel real quick and subscribe. And if you enjoy this content, do us a favor. Take a moment to give us a five-star review on iTunes and mention a couple of things you like about the podcast. If you really appreciate the show, you can help make it better and get extra content for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash trinity radio. Enjoy the show. Welcome. Whoops. Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Braxton Hunter, and he is... Jonathan Pritchett. And today we are going to talk about um, some responses that we've gotten, one in particular to some uh, to, to some videos that have happened recently. So uh, if you're watching this later, now if you're in the live stream, just sit there and be happy. But if you're <laughs> watching this later, um, we should say that there are three videos of interest that might help inform what's going to be discussed here. Although I don't think you'll have to have seen those videos, uh, but they will be helpful. Uh, one is that uh, last Monday, uh, last week on Monday, I think I released a video, 10 questions for atheists. And I have received, um, despite the one atheist thing, seems to think I'm lying about this, there are at least five or six or maybe seven uh, video responses that have been made in response to that um, by people that on the other side and uh, dozens and dozens of people who have written their answers to those questions. Um, and then, so that's one. What do you mean they think you're lying about that? Oh, there was a particular YouTuber that like, said. No, it's not. It's six. So like. If, no, if he mis- thought he and one other person were the only ones. So. Oh, so. But, so so if, I was picking on if, him. Even though they're mistaken, they think that if you're mistaken, even though it's their mistake. Right. If you're just mistaken about something, you're mm-hmm. lying. Yeah. That's, that's so right. petty. So, uh, but hey, uh, being you're called, maliciously being, intending to deceive. Being by, called dishonest is not. Yeah, um, no, not a surprise. You're a dishonest used car salesman. I'm just in it for the money. I'm just. No, I'm in it for the money. Yeah, he's in it you're for the in money. it for everything else. <laughs> Are we level on our volume? <laughs> Hold on, say something, Jonathan. Uh, hello. No, I'm not just in it for the money, but uh, you know what? But we that's like, in the equation. Well, it takes money to do what we do here. You know. Yeah. So okay. this is expensive stuff. If like we didn't have key cards and you could break into the Trinity offices, you could score pretty good stuff here. So, so, uh, so that's one video is the 10 questions video and the responses that have been made to that. Another one was I was on capturing Christianity this week. Um, and we were talking about, um, my, the thing that I noticed, which is that you have these people that claim to be lack of belief atheists. They don't, they're not saying, I'm not saying God does not exist. I'm just saying, I don't know. I lack a belief. Um, but then you hear those same people saying, comparing God to things that they actively believe do not exist, like Santa Claus, fairies, pixies. And Cameron dubbed that the hunter dilemma, which is pretty cool. And uh, so so that there's a little bit of that, and there have been some responses to that. And then lastly, uh, the video I released yesterday, which um, uh, it, it primarily is what we're going to address today. It's primarily that one. And there have been several atheists, very thoughtful atheists, who have said, I actually agree with you what you said there, Braxton. I think that video... Um, Is there a Dire Straits thing happening in the chat? 
I, I don't know, but I'm. Did did somebody save money for nothing? Because then I see chicks for free, and that. I'm I don't know. I'm, I'm going to get cool. Happened. And I'm going to get it. to the chat, but I'm okay. kind of doing the opening monologue here. So, uh, so where am I? Thank you, Luke. The, we'll, we'll get to Luke. What what am I saying? Oh yeah. So so there have been some thoughtful atheists who like have said you're right. I agree with you. But then there have been some like uh, I guess uh, people that think I'm talking about them who have been very upset about yesterday. And, and uh, so we're going to get into all that. Those are some three videos that, that might be helpful if you're watching this later on that you go listen to first. All right, let's get to the chat before we really jump into the meat of this. Ooh, somebody said something mean about me. My opinions are meh. Um, Thank you. You're too kind. Now, this is real quick. I do just happen to be here, though. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll right get, on the nose. We'll get to it. So um, Jorge Anido. This is actually a very important thing for today's discussion. So I, I threw you up on the screen here. Uh, he says, okay, I'm heading to work. Here's my question. What is meant by Cartesian certainty? I hear you guys referencing this. And it sounds like absolute certainty with, with no doubts, but I'm not sure. Yes, that's what it is. Uh, Rene Descartes tried to deconstruct and decide. Um, I can doubt a lot of things. Like even I could doubt that the world around me as I see it is real. Um, what is the one thing that I could know, like with absolute, it's impossible to doubt. And I'll just construct from there and see what I can build out to have absolute certainty. So it was like Cartesian certainty. And famously, he came up with um, cogito ergo sum, which is, I think, therefore I am. If I'm thinking, if I'm experiencing thought, surely I exist. And he thought that's the one thing he can know with absolute certainty. Of course, there's a problem with that that others pointed out, which is, he is then relying on reason and logic and that those things are functioning correctly in order to conclude that if he's thinking he must exist. Yeah. So, and, and, and that really the only thing you can conclude conclusively is that thoughts are occurring, but you can't necessarily say I am thinking. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people have said because of this, you can't conclude anything. And frankly, uh, like with Cartesian certainty, now, you might think, oh my gosh, that does sound like a problem. Well, it's, it's not a problem. So this is why like the medieval philosophers like Aquinas and Anselm and all those, they started outside of their head. If you try to start within your own head, like, like Descartes did, you never get anywhere, really. So, so, but here's the, here's the good news. That's the sort of things that philosophers think about that doesn't have much practical impact at all. Um, right, so, you don't use it right. for most things. Like, you know... Even the people that say it governs their life. It Braxton doesn't. is my best friend in, in the entire world, probably. Thank you. And I don't have Cartesian certainty that he wouldn't steal my book collections and take them to uh, a pawn shop. So, I mean, do I think he will? No. Do I think it's even likely that he will? No. It's it's. It's very unlikely. So that's going to come up as we move forward. Right, but this. I don't have Cartesian certainty, and I don't need it. Yeah, now there are presuppositional Christian apologists that will say they do have Cartesian certainty about God's existence and about the Christianity and all that, and it sounds really impious to them for people like us to say, like, because if someone asks me, are you sure that Christianity is true? I'll say, yes. Are, are you certain? Well, yes. But if someone says, are, do you have Cartesian certainty? Well, I'm not sure that's a thing that, can be had with almost anything. And to that extent, I think it's for the birds. I don't care about Cartesian right. certainty. I care about what people meant in Jesus day when they said something like, are you sure? And what they meant throughout all of history until Descartes, are you sure? And what they've sure been in since Descartes, <laughs> except for Descartes. I mean, are you, are you sure? Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Are you certain? Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Do you have Cartesians? And 
And if I was a, what, a YouTube atheist would say, oh, that presuppositionalist is lying. No, I'm not a YouTube atheist, so I'm not going to accuse yeah. him of lying. What I will say is... No, I believe I they believe, believe they I believe that you think or, you do, but you yeah. don't. <laughs> You're mistaken. Yeah, that's right. You're so, uh, Punchbowl Haircut, thank you for being here, man. He says, congrats, Braxton, on being immortalized in The Hunter's Dilemma. Well, thank you. I uh, really appreciate that. That was pretty cool. Uh, Cameron said that he wanted to give it a name like that. And I said, well, if you do that, that's really, I'm honored by that. But you'll have to be the one that says it because if I say it, it'll sound arrogant. So, but anyway, thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. And accuse people of the hunter's dilemma when appropriate because the, the point of it is that it actually will have some practical value in helping to clarify. Okay, we'll explain it to everybody. Yeah, so I did at the beginning of the show, which is that um, the hunter's dilemma is um, you, you get to choose like I, I said it, I've, I've discovered it this year, which is basically you got these people that claim to be lack of belief atheists, but then they say that they talk about, they compare God to things that right. they actively disbelieve don't exist. So the dilemma is you can be a lack of belief atheist, but then we shouldn't expect to hear you comparing God to Santa Claus and fairies and things that you actively disbelieve that God exists. Or you can be uh, an atheist in the academic sense of the term that you maintain the position that there is no God. Yeah. And then you can mock all you want. Right. And, and colloquially called a strong, atheist. but you can't do both. Well, right? Sometimes in academia it's called strong atheist, but yeah, but, and also in, in pop culture referred so to that's the hunter's atheist. dilemma. Yeah. And Cameron, we have a whole show on it on Cameron's channel. It should have been Bracky's dilemma though. <laughs> His mom calls him Bracky. Uh, yeah. So Brack, you should Brack, all call best him. Bet. Yeah. Okay. Benjamin <laughs> yeah. Handelman says, are you going to discuss the Mandalorian? No, at least not today. Cause I haven't seen it yet. The new episode. Yeah. I won't watch it for what? 10 weeks when they're, I, you're going to wait till they're all out. Right. No, you won't. Yeah, I will. I'm, I don't, I don't want, I have been spoiled from the Netflix model that I, I, I break up my TV time to where, okay, this day is this season and I knock it out and then I don't have to watch TV for a while again. That's why I'm not watching discovery right now either. I wait till they're all out. <laughs> I waited till all of Picard was out and then I watch it. Okay. Now hold up. Peace prevails is talking about the video that we're about to respond to in just a few minutes. Um, and if you're new to the channel, this is how our Friday live stream is. There's a lot of going back and forth and, and chit chat. Um, and, but there's going to be Q and a too and stuff like that. So I'm just telling you this because Typically, videos on this channel, we try to get to the point pretty quickly, but this is more like a classic episode from two years ago where we where we just chit-chat, right, Pritchett? But mm -hmm. Peace Prevails is talking about the video we're going to respond to and says, just saw the counter-apologetics video. The comment section is filled with people who seem like they were betrayed by the lack of aggression from counter-apologetics. Yeah, they're over there saying, you're giving up too much ground to the theists. Um, so that's going to be That's what we get in the forum sometimes where I'm the nice one and th then you have to come out with your claws just to make up for the slack because <laughs> Prime's betraying us. It's like we miss... Well, they always talk about how they miss Fat Pritchett. Fat Pritchett was the best is what they say. Well, that's... I mean, I liked Fat Pritchett. Yeah, that's just... <laughs> All right, Luke Pixler says... Be unhealthy God, so you'll be grumpy again. That's, that's what I listen, hear. Listen, listen. God bless, guys. Here's some money, JP. All right. <laughs> Whew. Thank you, Luke. Uh, Luke's awesome. I love reading I believe... Comment. I think I believe is the person who made the animated image of us recently. Yeah. The atheist in the comment section... That is awesome. That's my seven. banner on my Facebook page, by the way. That That is... And I think it's your profile pic, isn't it? You, just your half, anyway. Yep. See, I put both of us on... on you put both Facebook. of us as your... 
Right. Pro or uh, what do they call it? I've had both of us as my profile pic too, though. But yeah, that that was fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, they all commented on their each question separately. He's talking about when they responded to the twelve, the, the ten questions I gave. Mm-hmm. All these atheists, dozens of them, maybe over a hundred. I don't know. Ah, Just, you're lying. I am. I'm probably lying. I'm probably <laughs> lying. It's only been one or two videos. Okay, uh, let's uh, let's keep going. Uh, sit and talk. It's like Pritchard just had. I love that. Oh, this is the one you wanted. Yeah, to this happens to be there, and his opinions are meh. That's you true. need to sit. You need to sit so you can look at each other. Well, we used to do that. Go back and watch the old episodes. But the thing is, this when? is just technically more practical. We've always sat side. Well, by yeah, side. but we've sat more side by side where we could literally just look over this is just the way it has to be this is pra- this is the practical yeah. i mean look well i was about to say was picard sitting directly adjacent to Riker? i guess he was though wasn't he? yeah in fact they Riker had the was force a and they had to sit up there with troy yeah. and Riker and some but he wasn't Beverly. sitting directly next to wharf no See, right I, the old enterprise with the center seat that's that's how it should yeah be. kirk was yeah. not sitting right next to spock right spock was up there with his back turned yeah, right? he, he had his face in the little scanner thing. I mean, as if, because we do try to set up our show to mimic Star Trek. That's the. What we try to do is we try to do the best we can since you have to do all that stuff that I don't know how to do. <laughs> that's what that's what this is about. Amen, Slam RN. I don't yeah. know what you're getting at there, but yes. Yes, now I want Chick-fil-A. I, 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 yeah, I want Chick-fil-A. All right. Um, okay, uh, Jose Martinez. We're going to get there, guys, okay? Um, sorry, I'm late. Happy Friday. I recently saw the dark Knight, and it's a masterpiece. Well, uh, amen. Like <laughs> 12 years later. Uh, okay. Better yeah, late oh, than never. Okay. Spartan theology took up for me on one of these other videos. Uh, Why are you just cherry picking atheists that agree with you to try to convince people you are reasonable? Well, I'm trying to control the narrative Spartan theology. And part <laughs> of it is that also the, the, some of the people, Okay, first of all, on the 10 questions video, I don't think you're trying to control the narrative. You're trying to demonstrate that there's that more the than criticism. one narrative. Yeah, I know. You're trying to demonstrate that there's more than one narrative and right. that comes from the other side. So uh, sometimes, you know you know what? Cherry picking is not always bad. Sometimes you have to cherry pick to demonstrate. You cherry pick cherries, right. for example, and eggs. Um, yeah. I think that's what we all know Slam RM must have been getting at with those chicken images. But uh, we are going to get right to this. I keep saying that. But Spartan Theology was it took up for me. And um, I plan to do a response to several of the videos at once to the 10 questions that I, that I post. I was waiting until I got a good bunch. And then I'm going to do a video. We're going to do a video responding to a bunch of those, the best questions. See, this is like, well, we'll do like one question and a bunch of responses to one question mm-hmm. and the next week. See, this is how you fill show content ideas. No, right? I want to do it all in one video. Oh, man. That, why? Then we have to think of something else to talk about. Because it, it gives, that gives us 10 weeks. Because it would, because it would bore me. It would, right, I would it get would. bored with it. Oh. Okay. But, um, but here's the thing. I'm not responding to every atheist. And I know you're you're being snarky, but the thing is, I'm not responding to every atheist because some of these atheists, there's at least two that that I that I think are just, it wouldn't be good for them. It's not good for me, because the, I'm not. Sh- there's like some emotional, there's like some anger there. Yeah, and, and you don't want to respond to it because then you're just punching a kitten at that point, right? I mean, nobody likes that guy. Do Christians celebrate Halloween in any capacity? Are certain elements of it considered evil or malevolent? There are a lot of things that are represented at Halloween in a cartoony sort of way that we would consider to be representative, like like um, like 
icons of evil and things like that. But in I like the way Pritchett, th- this guy, looks at it, and that is uh, Halloween does is in a certain way a celebration of paganism, but it's also a celebration of the fact that we won and turned them all into cartoons. Right. <laughs> we we as yeah. See, I don't have a problem when Christians <laughs> like dress up as this dorky looking Satan with a mustache and a red, you know, red skin and a, and a goofy tail and a pitchfork, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of mockery. Um, that's actually fine. Don't, don't dress up, uh, you know, tastelessly as, as some people do on Halloween. Yeah. I like this. I simply, Derek says, I simply lack a belief. That's Jacqueline Glenn. Also, Jacqueline Glenn, God is a delusion. Yeah. That is an example of the hunters of a problem that needs the hunters to learn. Right. Okay, uh, now. Yeah, if you want to take your kids and go get candy in a costume, I don't see how you're doing anything evil. You know, so if your conscience lets you do it, go for it. Daniel Apologetics, thank you so much. Um, uh, Daniel Apologetics is in Norway, I think. I thought, I don't know my geography well enough. Um, but yep, I'm a Sky Daddy believer, depending on, huh? Geography. All, yeah. It's so Slovakia. All you Sky Daddy believers. Best yeah. background audio work ever. Yeah. Okay, now. Do you um, know the name of the guy who produces our music? Yeah. Um, it's in the description. Okay. <laughs> Do you know it? Joachim Karud, I think is his yeah, name. Okay. All right, we're going to stop right there with the questions, and we're going to get into the content a little bit okay. here. So uh, we will come back. If you gave a super chat and we didn't get to it yet, please forgive us. We will get there. So uh, Counter Apologist is um, a channel that it's, you know, um, there's a lot of people I think that make responses to us that hope that we well that's not fair. There are people who make responses to us that I think are doing it at least in part because they hope it'll get them views or, or that we'll say something about it and and that sort of thing. Um, counter apologist is, is different. I don't think that's what he was trying to do, and he was actually trying to be as I think very honest. And, and explain. So there are some things he disagrees with. Well, I mean, there are definitely things we disagree about, but there are some things I disagree with him about from this video, but there's also a lot to be appreciative of. So um, as we always say, anything I say, uh, counter apologist, I don't know your real name, but what, what anything I say, it's not intended to be insulting towards you. I'm responding to the position and the issues like you would be too. All right, so we're going to uh, go into that now. Where is the thing with the thing? Let's see. Yep, here we Hi, go. Hi, folks. Welcome to a more impromptu video where I wanted to respond to YouTube Christian apologist Braxton Hunter. Despite now, by the way, it's in the bottom left-hand corner of the screen, his video, but his video is just text. So I thought it'd be better to put me and Pritchett up here so you could look at Pritchett. Mm-hmm. In fact, that I largely agree with his video posted today about what kind of atheist are you? Braxton talks about categories of atheism put forward by atheist philosopher William Rowe, where it describes an atheist's disposition towards the rationality of theism. Yeah, now, just so we can summarize and get to the meat of what he's trying to say and skip some of this, no offense, counter-apologist, um, but he, he rehashes a little bit of what I did in the video from yesterday, which was um, to take William Rowe's famous article, The Problem of Evil and Some Varieties of Atheism. And I took the part where he's talking about some varieties of atheism, and those varieties are friendly, unfriendly, or indifferent atheism. Now, when he's talking about that, he's not talking about whether atheists are nice 
in the common sense of the term friendly, like, are they nice to people? That's not the point. Um, you could be very, very nice, like ooey gooey nice and still be an unfriendly atheist on Rose definition, because what Rose talking about, and by the way, this went over the heads of some of the atheists and maybe some of the Christians, but um, even though I read Rose article, but the, the point is that an unfriendly atheist is one who thinks that theists have no rational justification for believing that God exists. And uh, a friendly theist is one who thinks that we do have um, uh, rational justification. And Rose says some of the things that might give a theist rational justification would be like the theistic arguments, the design argument, the, the cosmological arguments, the ontological arguments, moral, things like that, or their personal experience, or they think it just has the best explanatory power um, or, thing or things of that sort. Now, he's not saying that that means you're right, that the theists are right. It's just that someone can be wrong and still have um, a rational, rational justification. Yeah. So for example, we, the, the example I gave just briefly is what if me and Pritchett, I knew that Pritchett was getting on a plane to come across the Atlantic. And, um, I heard that the plane crashed and not only did the plane crash, but the search crews went out for 10 hours. They couldn't find any survivors and they've given up. I would be rationally justified to think that Pritchett is now dead. But Pritchett, if he's out there on a piece of wood floating around in the Atlantic alive, would be rationally justified in believing that he's alive. And not only that, he, he could think about the fact that Braxton is probably sitting at home rationally justified Thank in believing that I'm dead, dead right yeah. now. So that was Rose's point. And that kind of set up this whole thing. And so I encouraged people be one of those kind of a friendly atheists or at least think deeply about it. And then I played some atheist philosopher types who basically think that we have you know, there are reasons to believe that God exists as opposed to almost all of YouTube atheism and, and new atheism that says there are no good reasons to believe that, or they're not even just good. There is no evidence for God, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. So that's all set up. So I want to skip to, so he says that he agrees. He says, I, I, I think you are rationally, this is what counter apologist says. You are rationally justified in believing in God. That's what I think. And, and by the way, just from the apologetics side of things, like when you hear William Lane Craig in his debates, one of the lines that he says in his opening statements is not that all the counter arguments are bad. No, what he says is there are no comparably good arguments. Mm. He's not saying that they're horrible arguments. What he's saying is there's no comparably good arguments for atheism. That That's saying no matter how good they might be, they're not comparably good. They're not as good as ours. Yeah. So, yeah. so atheists who are friendly are, are no different than a lot of uh, Christian apologists who would be friendly apologists who, mm -hmm. who don't dismiss out of hand flippantly uh, a lot of the arguments that atheists yeah. bring. Uh, do some apologists do uh, do that? Yeah. Believe it or not, I'm not one of those. I'm more of a friendly apologist, mm -hmm. uh, even though I'm sometimes snarky towards atheists and atheism. I'm not, as far as their arguments go, uh, there's, we take several of them seriously. We think that the, the divine hiddenness is a, is a problem. We think that the probabilistic problem of evil is a problem. And one of the things, for us, they're not, they're not as comparably good as their refutations or as our arguments uh, but we also acknowledge the persuasiveness of those arguments more than how valid we think they are. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's... So, I mean, I, I don't... It, I don't get the the notion that... I understand clashing rhetoric. I understand 
being bombastic. I understand all of that. But what I don't understand is not taking ideas seriously that are serious ideas, that are big ideas. And I think that the existence of God or the non-existence of God are both big ideas that that should be seriously considered and, and debated. Now, you don't have to be serious all the time when you debate it, but you should take the conversation and the arguments. Well, you put it in common parlance. Yeah. It's it's understandable to a certain degree. Like I can I can sympathize a bit with people that don't believe in today's world. Now, if we were talking about 500 years ago, I would have a much harder time. But we have a culture now that is set up to inform you through media and everything else, number one, that you know there's no reason to believe in God. And then secondly, there are like um, uh, evolution uh, you know, as a possible option did a lot to, I mean, you go back and wonder why some of the thinkers that probably would have been atheists were deist or something before. It's because how are you going to make sense of, of this, um, why there's something plenitude of life and stuff, you know, but, but now there's uh, that gives some, and then, uh, and then you, you think about the fact that, um, uh, some of these arguments are powerful, like, uh, uh, the problem of evil, as you said, and divine the probabilistic like, version. Yeah, I get, I get it. It's not that I don't get it. So, so some people have been asking, "Well, are you a friendly theist?" And to that extent, yeah, we're yeah, friendly. Yeah, I would say that we're both. So, all right, theists. let's hear what he has to and, say and now, the, though. We don't because we're both big time readers. We both like to read books. We like to read literature, and I like to go. You know, I'm always talking about the great books, which a lot of what's in there is friendly to Christianity. A lot of what's in there is not. Mm-hmm. And, but when you read classic literature like that, um, and you engage the big ideas and take them seriously, you don't come to an atheist book with the "I need to shred this to pieces when I read it." Yeah. Uh, just like when a Christian, if if you're let's, for our Christians out there, okay, so guys like me and Leighton Flowers and Braxton are we're not Calvinists, right? But I, I have a library filled with Calvinist literature, and I, whenever I read something written by a Calvinist, um, my first instinct is not I need to rip this to shreds. It's what can I learn from this? And I think a lot of times when on, on YouTube. Um, whether it's responding to a video or it's, you know, reading a book by a Christian theist, maybe someone buys core facts because they heard Braxton talk about it and say, ah, you know, and they get it. Their first instinct is I need to just start debunking this the second I read it instead of taking it in and then thinking it through what I just read or what I yeah, just Yeah, but watched. now on top of that, yeah. I am going to say I, and this is going to take a lot of people off, and I think it kind of shocked Shannon Q when I was on her show. Because I think she, you know, we both want better conversations between atheists and theists. And one of the things that she brought out and that always gets brought out and that Christians typically just agree with is, well, since we're trying to get to truth, we're both open to being convinced by the other side. Well, for me, yes and no. Sorry. Yes, if someone to my satisfaction demonstrated that God does not exist or the Christian God does not exist, I guess I would have to believe that. But the, but, but. So I'm open in that sense, but at this point, um, I've been studying this stuff for like close to 20 years. It's extremely unlikely that I'm going to hear something like that. And I also have commitment to God through uh, things not based on the kind of evidence that's publicly accessible, like my personal experiences and things like that. So I'm not, I'm not just having a conversation. So people, when people just want to say, let's just have a conversation. No, I want to win you to Jesus is what I'm trying to do. And if you think that that's dishonest, no, I'm telling you, that's what I'm doing. Yes, it's not dishonest as we're saying. That's Um, our stated goal. We're on mission for Jesus. 
the Great Commission. Yeah. All right. We now let's let's jump back in. Make and disciples of all nations. And yes, yeah. that's, that's our primary goal. Like I'm you, I'm, I'm. Yeah. And I know some people have had later in life deconversions or whatever. But I'm 43. Like you, I've been studying this stuff for over two decades now, and it's not likely that I'm going to hear something new. And just because you phrase something in a different way doesn't mean you've said something new. You've just mm-hmm. phrased it in a different way. And I have a feeling that there's a lot of atheists out there who are unlikely to be convinced, and I think that they won't be unless there's an act of the Holy Spirit. So we mm-hmm. have all of this, what you can go ahead and call it Christian baggage in our head, yep. and we'll own it. Yeah, absolutely. Have no problem. And I th- But I think there's a lot of atheists, too. There's a lot of atheists and Christians who are doing this. Well, I just want to have a discussion. I'm, I'm just, let's search for the truth together. Let's you know, I'm open to being convinced I'm wrong, and I think they're lying through their teeth. I don't, I don't think they're even aware that they're doing that. I think they think they mean it, but in reality, they're no. I'm going to try to. I, I'm I'm here to try to convince. Well, them. a lot of a lot of these conversations, though. When, well, to be fair, when people say that they want to have a friendly dialogue, it's not because. I think that's more now for that's, the, you can do that. Well, but I think that's more for the sake of anyone who's going to view it because it's usually something. You're not going out for coffee with these people or on a private Marco Polo or Zoom chat. You're d- recording this for public consumption. Mm-hmm. So a lot of a lot of what's said back and forth is not to convince the person with whom you're speaking, but it is to provide a robust dialogue for the audience so that they can determine. Well, sure. Now, we yeah. can both agree about that, but I'm telling you what they say, and they'll say, hey, I'm having you on my show just because I want to find out where I'm wrong and we can work together to figure all this out and all that sort of thing. And like you said, yeah, well, we could do that on the phone. You know, anyway, um, I'm not, not all of, I don't think they're lying. All of them. Uh, I just think that some people are not even aware that no, it's like, well, you just just did say, no, I think a lot of them are, but I don't think a lot. I don't think others. You don't think all of them are right. And here's the thing. I think that there are, um, that there was, this was brought up on one of the response videos to me that I am going to respond to that we are going to respond to. But I've said that someone said, well, you know, Braxton's talking about evidence here, but people come to their beliefs for a lot of different reasons. Well, that's what I say all the time. That's completely what I believe. I don't ever think anyone comes just because of the evidence or leaves just because of the evidence. And you know what? Every time I say that, there are atheists in the comments say, no, there was absolutely no other motivation. I don't have any biases. I only came because of the evidence. You know what that means? That you have a bigger bias blind spot than you're aware of. Right. Because everyone has multiple reasons. Anyway, so he gets Yeah, I didn't really come to Christianity personally because of apologetic Me neither. Yeah. So it can keep you around. It helps. And they always act like that's a big victory when you admit that. See, he admitted he didn't come because of arguments. That, right. Right. I've been a Christian but then since they, I was very but young. But then they'll deny if anyone says that's why they did. Right. It's, it's, and, and then they wonder why we don't always want to get on and, and, yeah. and talk to hostile yeah, the worst way to get, like, yeah. I don't do a lot of debate discussions with atheists. And let's be honest, discussions are often just sloppy debates. And yeah. I don't do a lot of that. Um, I don't do debates very often. I've done a bunch of debates, but I but I don't go looking for them. And I don't, it's not, you know, we've talked about that before. Yeah. But you want to know the worst way to get me to debate you, and this happens with some degree of regularity, is say, you dishonest, money-hungry charlatan, Come on my show and have a discussion with me. Right. Yeah, no, that's not the yeah. way. That's not. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's get back to this. All right. So I've cut to where he's going to. So he's agreed with us about all, you know, 
the primary point. And he, he's not, you know, he's on the same page and he wants to extend an olive branch. He says that multiple times. And I love that. But um, here's where he starts talking about where I don't want to go too far. And this is what he says. Clear about what I'm not saying. I am not saying that I find any of the arguments for God's existence to be convincing. In fact, I really don't like the scale Braxton references in his video as a way to gauge one's non-belief in God, say at negative 100, to agnosticism, zero, to theism, plus 100. I'm still firmly at negative 100. Nothing about the traditional arguments for theism or Christianity give me the slightest pause or nudge the number towards theism. I can literally counter all of them, and I find theistic response, responses to those arguments against God's existence to be entirely unconvincing. Okay. If I don't like a scale, I don't put myself on it. So, but he did. That's just weird. I don't like this scale. So, but I'm at negative 100 on this scale I don't like. Well, I mean... That's weird. Okay. Why is it, what do you, okay. So, okay. <laughs> I don't really like Braxton's skill because this, but I'm at, well, he's going with understand. it. He's trying to go with it. All yeah. right. So, so what, you know, Cameron made this, you can tell it's got the capturing Christianity color scheme there, but, um, but what capturing, what Cameron said was a lot of people, a lot of atheists think about it as though the scale is only from zero to 100. Right. So that if you're a, if you just have a lack of belief, that puts you at zero. I've got no positive evidence to believe. But actually, the scale goes from negative 100 to one positive 100 because you 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 might have reasons to believe and reasons not to reasons to believe is not the case. So like with Santa Claus, put put that he that you believe like you're a you're six year old Jonathan Pritchett and you are convinced that Santa Claus is real and that's positive 100. And negative 100 is a uh, 43-year-old Jonathan Pritchett who's convinced that Santa Claus is not real. Well, let's put that. <laughs> I'm just well, now you're talking like one of these lack of belief atheists <laughs> who says, actually, I'm not entirely, I lack a belief in yeah. Santa Claus. No, I didn't say I lack a belief. I said, where am I at this case at negative 100? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Now that you bring up a good point, and this is where we're going to get into the Cartesian yeah. certainty. But right. let's, let's say negative 100 is I have, car I have Cartesian certainty that Santa is Claus false. is not real and, and 100 is that it, that he does yeah. exist okay we're going to be in the continuum somewhere right logically possible pink unicorns dancing on the ring saturn right so i mean what do you do with that right so so like with when you compare god to santa claus and you're saying um and you're saying i have lack of belief i have i have no positive reasons in either case no actually whatever we want to say about god on the scale you have good reasons to believe that santa claus does not exist which pushes you down the scale right. to some degree toward negative 100 all right that's how that works so if we apply it to god negative 100 is certainty that god does not exist and 100 is certainty that god does exist and we're going to be on that continuum now what he's just told us is he is firmly at negative 100. Now, I appreciate, again, that you're being cool, but this is where I would push back a little bit and say, hold up. If that's the case, you're not just telling me you have, because this is what he says. He says, he says, I am still firmly at negative 100. Nothing about the traditional arguments for theism or Christianity gives me the slightest pause or nudge the number towards theism. I literally counter all of them. I've, I've, I, and I find theistic responses or arguments against God entirely unconvincing. Right, but is that is that negative 100 for counter-apologists against the existence of God? Or right. Or against the, how convincing the arguments are for the existence of God? I think, because I, I, he might have been saying, in all fairness, that mm -hmm. he is 
at negative 100 that the arguments for God's existence are unconvincing, not that he is convinced that God does not exist. Yeah, no, that's, well, okay. So if he's, if, if, okay, that's fair. So you're saying he could be saying, I have Cartesian certainty that these arguments fail. Well, he has Cartesian certainty that these arguments fail for him anyway. Well, now that just becomes a subjective thing. Right. But he does, and he says that later in, the, later in his video. Yeah, but I'm way. saying he's, he's at negative 100 as far as being convinced by the arguments for theism. Well, but hold up a second. I don't think that, I, I understand you're trying to help him, and I like that you're trying to help him. I like nice Pritchett, but here's the thing. Well, I'm not trying to help him. I'm just trying to accurately represent him. Uh, okay, so, we, helps, so we've put know, that out yeah. as a possibility right. then, counter-apologist. If that's what you mean, fair enough. However... Um, he's seen these videos that are in question and us, and he sees it on the scale belief that, right? Belief that. So we're talking about belief in God. And if you said none of those arguments are helpful and all of that, that alone doesn't put you at negative 100. That puts you at zero. You would then have to pile on negative arguments in favor of atheism to get you to negative 100. You mean positive arguments in favor of atheism. Yeah, positive arguments in favor of atheism. To move you yeah. more negative on the scale. That's right. Yes, yeah. thank you, Pritchett. So... See, you think I don't listen. I right? know. I'm, I, I'm paying attention. I, I'm tracking. Well, good. So I just sit here and play on my phone and read comments. Don't do time. that. Don't let this person get in your head that said that you're meh or whatever. <laughs> but... Um, High tech was kidding. Man. Some people give. He knows that I, I know that he was kidding. And people he knows give that I'm Pritchett kidding. some love in the comments. No, but, um, I feed on that, that stuff. The, the fact that he was kidding is depressing. I, I'd rather just get the hate. But, so yeah, but anyway, back to counter apologists. But he actually does give some reasons to believe that God does not exist. But what I want to be clear about is that if you thought all the apologetics failed, that would not put you at all toward non-belief. It would just, we don't have any positive reason to believe that God does exist. I think that's important. All right, now, yeah. I, I don't know if I've got this timestamp correct, but we're going to try to get there. I think it's at 4.06. Let's see here. I'm doing this in kind of a wonky way. Yeah. For me, arguments from hell, hiddenness, the argument from heaven, and of course evil, all end up being decisive reasons to reject theism. Okay, so he rejects theism because of arguments from hell, arguments from heaven. So maybe he was evil, meaning that, hiddenness. that. He could mean, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm just explaining as we go, right. because the way he phrased it before, for anyone listening, you can make the very mistake that we're trying to counter with the whole thing, which is just because I don't have any positive reason doesn't mean that you're, you know. But if you do present negative reasons, I still don't think, that you're going to have negative 100. Are you really saying that you're Cartesianly certain that God does not exist on the basis of those arguments? I don't think you would say that. I'm being fair because I don't think you would say that. But on this setup, that's what you would be saying. So maybe he misunderstood how. Yeah, we were I mean, and and in fairness, you know, we were doing this with theology for a long time before we did this. Mm -hmm. You and I, and the way that we talk on Trinity Radio, the way we talk on our forum, the way we talk with our, our friends and stuff. How certain are you that that Calvinism is false? So on your scale, we'd be like, well, negative sixty percent. Uh, how certain are you that your Molinistic, you know, whatever view is true? Oh, I, I chunk about eighty-three at it. I'd swap those. Yeah. I'm more certain that Calvinism is false. Than right. If you believe P is Molinism false, you have to have true. a negative number, like negative 60. Yeah. I'm saying, no, I'm saying like, I'd be positive 60 on Molinism. Right. I'd be negative 80 on Calvinism. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. See, right. I wouldn't be that. 
But we we that's just the way that we we've always wanted to divvy it up for people. People are like, wait, wait, you think there's a chance that Calvinism could be true? Well, there's always a chance. Yeah, I could. Yeah. And how much do you hold into the eternal conscious torment view? How much do you chunk it? That's the hell thing, right? He brought up the argument from hell. It depends what kind of hell are you talking about? Right. I'm not sure you have a case even with the traditional view of hell, but which view? I mean, next weekend I'll be at the Rethinking Hell Conference and I'll have all kinds of people talking about it. And y'all want to watch that if it's live stream. So, um, and Chris Day. And then the the argument from heaven. And Clay Jones. I think he means with the argument from heaven that. And and, uh, um, there's other people. Paul Copan. Paul Co- and there's there's a really cool guy. Tim Barnett. Tim Barnett, yes. I'll tell Paul Copan that you said no. There's Paul Copan and then there's a really cool guy. Oh, yeah. And Clay jo- I say Clay Jones and then the really cool guy. Clay Jones was my professor. I love Clay Jones. So okay. To be focused here, um, what are we where are we at now? Did what? I distract you? Yes. Well, well you should have plugged yourself because, you know. I'll be I don't remember what I was I did saying. The re- if you're bored, go heaven. watch my reading. No, no, yeah. bored, bored, boredom, heaven. That's yeah. the argument from heaven is that it would actually turn into hell because boredom. Last week's episode. Right. Me. Talk about that. That's, uh, okay. That's, um, I don't even get why that registers as a The thing. problem of evil. Okay, that's fair. But um, we actually have, a sh- and I reference this all the time, so I won't unpack it here because you got mad the last time I did preach it. But there, we have, I have a short video on the short videos playlist on, uh, the problem of evil. Go check that out. I actually interact with Roe, the same paper, but where he's talking about yeah. uh, the problem of evil there. And the divine hiddenness thing, actually, this is funny, but I mean, it's not funny, but it's it's good. I mean, it's good for counter-apologists, but William Lane Craig actually on an episode of Reasonable Faith responded to counter-apologist, this guy. And he talked about divine hiddenness and unpacked why that doesn't work. So go go check the, that one out if you want to see that. But good for you that Craig responded to you. I mean, yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, all right. Let's skip ahead now to, um, yeah, the, the last point I really want to make about this. And then we'll just strictly do Q&A with the time we have remaining. But um, 737, I've got to get it to 737. Now, here's where he's basically saying, this is why we all need to be willing to share the olive branch. And I'm, I feel you. Listen to me. Look into the camera, counter-apologist. I feel you. And I want that to be the case. And it can be to the extent that you and I are doing it right now, being friendly toward each other in the row sense. But I don't think it's going to get... I think you make some salient points about culture in this section. But I think your points are so good that I don't see them being overcome by the culture. Let's, I'll play it so people know what I'm talking about. I can't emphasize that last point enough. And I want to explain why it's important we acknowledge the rationality of our ideological opponents' positions and start extending olive branches all around. We're too polarized, and these divisions are harming all of us. And posting this video merely five days before the U.S. presidential elections in what is an extremely volatile situation where people on both sides are afraid the other won't concede defeat in anything but a blowout. What undergirds so very many of our differences, especially in the culture war issues that are at the literal heart of why Christians largely stand behind Republicans and the atheists or nuns largely back the Democrats, is that it breaks down along the lines of our base assumptions about reality. Our irreconcilable notions of what it means to live the good life or our basis for morality will drive wedges between our views on abortion, 
LGBTQ rights, drug use, and even how the justice system should be utilized. Yes. Now we're going to continue with what you say there, but I mean, right? I mean, he. I think that's absolutely right. Uh, well, the, I mean, no, the reason that Christians, there are so many Christian evangelical Christians who are Republicans, and the reason that there are so many nuns and atheists who are Democrats is there are worldview issues that stand behind all of this. Right. And there are heavy issues that have to do with how you view morality and the good life, living the good life. How should we then live on the table like abortion and LGBT stuff and, and all drug that? Use and everything. Yeah, else. yeah. So, 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 yes. No, no, I just hang out with weird right. Christians because I mean, I, I know, I know. I think on uh, abortion, you know, for example, I don't know any pro-choice Christians, but I do know some libertarian Christians. I do. Huh? I do. I mean, I don't know well. I know they exist. No, I, I mean, I've know. got I've got friends. Oh, yeah. I I, I don't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not personal friends. If they're pro-choice, I don't know it. Um, but like drug use, um, like what are we talking about? Like, should we be? I know a lot of Christians don't care if if you know about those kinds of things. So I I don't know. But but it just I, I get what he's trying to say. I just don't know if it falls into those kind of. Uh, categories. No, largely. I mean, you yeah. can't. I mean, this I mean, is within. Like, I'm going to do. No, no, no. Hold on. Hush. I'm going to do to you what you do to me all the time. <laughs> Quit caveating everything. You're caveating it to death. In general, right? The evangelical Christians tend to vote. Yeah. Uh, Republican and atheists and nuns tend to vote liberal. I don't. Democrat. Yes, but I don't know if it's it's. I don't know if these are at the forefront of all of those reasons. Oh, okay. Because okay. um, to, to be honest, I hear a lot of like, so I, I don't hear a lot of atheists and nuns talking about the reason why they're voting for Democrats is because they really, I mean, like the thing that we want to legalize weed or even the, even the, the pro-choice issue is not like the first thing that comes to their minds. And for Christians that are all pro-choice, there's a lot of single issue voters on that issue, right? Abortion yeah, you, is the only thing. You would thing. say maybe it might be as much. But as, I don't like socialism. I don't like higher taxes. I don't. Like, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why. And immigration. Yeah. And orange man bad. Right. And, so I mean, there's <laughs> the pastors. I think yeah. uh, probably gravitate for that, and that's why they think they associate evangelicalism with what the leaders of evangelicalism are saying. But I'm mm -hmm. just saying the typical voters. Yeah. may have so many other things that they're also thinking about. Yeah. You know. Okay, well, you've softened it up okay. sufficiently, but I think the point is still can be made. He's right that worldview issues stand behind how you vote. Yes. And there are some heavy, heavy, like, here's the thing. If we go back 50 years or something, well, 60 years, something like that, it'd be a different landscape. I mean, the, the things that we're putting on the table are not, I mean, there are, trust me, there are just, there are big issues there. Cause I guess if we go back 60 years, we're talking about civil rights type stuff and things like that. So that's as big, but, but what we have right now is with the LGBT thing on the one side and, a, and, a, and the abortion thing, um, th those are so polarizing, like, and I've made this clear and people don't like it. And you didn't like it when I said it, but I'm going to say it, which is, I would gladly, you asked me on an old episode from like two or three years ago about this of Trinity Radio. I would gladly vote for a pro-life gay person than I would, man or woman, um, than I would for a pro-choice. I didn't like that. Uh, Christian. Yeah. 
Well, you were shocked by it. No, what you didn't yeah, like. Yeah, I was, was shocked. The other day it. I tweeted something along these lines. You didn't like it. But, um, oh, yeah, because I didn't want Yeah. I was like, <laughs> why are you stirring? Why are you going there is what right. you want to know. No, I, but that, no but, I get that. But that, yeah. that's, not, that's, that's an important issue. Don't get me wrong. That's yeah. an important issue. But the issue for me is the, the most important issue on the table is the pro life issue. Right. And the single video I'm more happy with where I don't have Pritchett, the only, like, there, are, if you include Pritchett, there's other videos that we've done together that I like more. But the, of, of the, all the videos I've ever done alone on Trinity Radio, the, abortion one. the one I did the other day on that abortion debate from Matt Chad, Frad's channel yeah. is maybe my favorite um, because I'm so confident of, that, of where I stand on that issue. And, and I so feel so strongly with that. Like, I do actually believe abortion is a holocaust. I do believe that. Right. And so when I hear Christians say things like, well, you know, um, you, can, you, can be, uh, you can believe that, it, that abortion is a holocaust, yeah. but... I still don't want to tell somebody else what to do. Right. I, no. I and, and, and okay. Think, well, then you don't believe it's a Holocaust. Right. Like I, do. I do get. Yeah. I get, do get his overall point. Point. Yeah. We're we're bitterly divided. And I, 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 you can go back less than fifty years ago. I voted for uh, a senator, Mark Pryor, who's a Democrat, who's pro-life mm-hmm. in Arkansas in the two thousand tens or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, the aughts. I think is what they're called. Right. Uh, if you're from Arkansas and you're a Democrat, you you know it, it was. Prior and Lincoln. Lincoln was the the liberal Democrat senator from Arkansas, and and Mark Pryor was the conservative senator from Arkansas. Both Democrats, but they would allow him to be in the Democrat Party, even though he was uh, pro pro life, right? And I was I happily voted for him. I mean, he expedited a a, a passport for my wife to go on a missions trip. Right. How do you not vote for that guy? And then, of course, he's the Democrat that Bill Maher picked on and religious. Right. He's mm-hmm. like, so look at this guy. You know, Mark Pryor they tried to lampoon Mark Pryor. Right. It was just this year that there was a, a, a Democrat who was kicked out of the party because he was he was pro-life. He was a pro-life Democrat, African-American gentleman, I think somewhere in, in Georgia. Right. So bitterly divided. Yeah. And both sides are typically purging their their membership roles to be even more divisive rather than inclusive. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're a you're a pro choice Republican. Got to go. You're a pro life Democrat. Got to go. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's weird. But that. Yeah. Divisiveness and, and, and you know, all that. Sure. Yeah. So. I, but the point is, he thinks, okay, we've got to start sharing olive branches all around to bring some unity because everything's so polarized. And I'm saying, unabashedly, so long as we're killing babies, I can't do that. And I think there are many people on the other side that would say, so long as you're whatever, and it may even be the same issue, the pro-choice issue, that's not going to happen. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to be nice. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that our uh, politicians can't join hands across the aisle on other issues. But as long as that's there, and I'm so tired of it's, and I'm not a single issue voter actually in this case because there are other issues I think are relevant. But so long as that issue is on the table, I do not think someone is being. Don't listen to this cultural narrative that comes from both sides, which is just absolute rhetoric and baseless. That there's something wrong or ignorant about being a single issue voter. There's not in principle if the issue is. Like, would you be okay to be a single-issue voter if the question was, should we elect Adolf Hitler and he wants to kill six million Jews? Would would you be a single-issue? Well, don't you know? It's just, don't be a single-issue voter. That's one of yeah. His he policies. also wants to give you a million dollars. Yeah, I mean, 
yeah, that that's going to give every everyone who votes for him gets a billion dollars. Right. But I mean, unfortunately, there may be people vote for him in that case. Right. But the thing about it is, it's okay if the stakes are as big as this. That you don't think you should be a single issue voter when it comes to the issue of abortion just tells me your ideological. I position guess it comes down abortion. to what he means by an olive branch: be friendlier. Well, that's not really the category of friendly atheists being friendly to the arguments. As you know, I definitely right think we should be friendly in the common use of friendly. Right. Yeah. So if, if it's if it if it's be civil and well, let's hear the last of what he says. Okay. Maybe he'll clarify. Yeah. We are not like other countries where one side has an unshakable electoral advantage and so can dominate to the point where these issues are no longer wedges. We have got to learn to find amicable ways to split our differences, or we will end up in a bad place as a people and a country. This is not easy. Most, if not all, of these issues seemingly can't be reconciled, which right. is why politicians find them so useful as wedges to divide us. But if we are going to find a way to get through this, we are all going to have to recognize where the fault lines are at the heart of this, identify the subjective stalemate of the debate, and start being friendly atheists and friendly theists. Because we can't even start to have the conversation about how to resolve these issues and coexist peacefully until we take that very first step. Now, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that sounds nice. Let's be, you, you see know. why I said what I said now. Right. That sounds nice. Right. But, but and in principle, I agree. Yeah. Let's be friendly towards each other's arguments and let's be, be friendly in, in a civil sense. That sounds great. But how do you, but you're, Whoops. but I do believe that the differences are irreconcilable. Right. You, you know, a pro-life person is not going to just be like, okay, well, I'm going to stop, you know, trying to to lessen, if not outlaw, abortion with with how I engage in a democratic republic. And I don't imagine a pro-choice person is going to do that either, right? So what good, we can have all the olive branches we want, but what to, to what end, just so that we can have conversations without ever doing anything, you know? Because I, right now, I would imagine if you're pro-choice and you're thinking about Trump's, uh, that, that person that they got, Amy... What, Comey Barrett. Comey Barrett that they just got on the Supreme Court, right? You know, right here in an election year and all that. And you're looking at her views and you're looking at the rest of the court, you've got to... If, if if abortion is important to you, I could see how you're not going to, you may extend an olive branch, but you're out to make sure that that you can elect as many Democrats who will expand the Supreme Court so there's no majority to overturn Roe. That's got to be your, if abortion is that, you know, if killing babies is that important to you, that's got to be you're, you know, and if I think that's a bad idea, you're going to be like, I don't care what olive branch is there for that. Yeah. And you know? the, to be fair, th that's kind of the end of that article. But there was a whole section that was arguably more the point of what he wanted to get at. And I feel bad that we didn't really cover that, which was he wants to say, look, you can present all these arguments for God and I can try to show contradictions or problems in attributes or whatever. But you could always just amend your understanding of God and then remain a theist. 
And he said, here's the hard part for atheists to swallow. We could do the same thing no matter what they show us. And so it becomes subjective. Well, you know, honestly on that, I, I get what you're trying to say. And that, of course, undergirds his, therefore, be a friendly atheist. Because, But, he, but here's, here's the thing um, that I want to say about that is. Because you can always move the goalposts for but that, But that's what we do. Like, yeah. like you know, the, like if for Christians that think God can do literally anything, including contradictions, when we Christians show them or atheists show them, that's not what omniscient or omnipotence rightly understood says they should amend their understanding of God. But that doesn't mean there couldn't be an argument in principle that ultimately uh, would call away God or call away an atheistic position. So, and if you object to the use of me using the term atheist in the sense that I am rather than the lack of belief, we've covered all that, but he says he's at negative 100. So we're talking about atheist in the uh, more academic sense of the term. All right, right. let's, uh, let's move on with this and uh, let's, let's see the questions. So are you going to, we're happy to accept all the, all the olive branches that are worth accepting, right? Yeah. Not all of them are going to be worth accepting though. If you want to kill my family, I can't shake your hand and have an olive branch. Right. Right. That's, so there are limits. uh, And they would agree with that too. Trevor Adams, thank you for the super chat. The Kalam gets us to a timeless, spaceless, and immaterial cause. I see how a mind covers spaceless and immaterial, but doesn't a mind require time? So this, a mind would only require time if you think of, um, like, so you have, this would be a timeless mind. It would be cognitively simple. Now that's a different thing from the, from you'll see some people talking about what's called um, divine simplicity, and and I'm not talking about that in total. I'm talking about just cognitive simplicity for God. So God doesn't have to think. The reason you would need time, yeah. The reason you would need time is because you're imagining God has to think things through and have thoughts like that. Now his thoughts can have a logical priority, but not a temporal one. Right. Yeah. So God knows everything. Why do you need to think things through? Why is that something that we humans do? It's because we're not omniscient. If you were omniscient, you wouldn't ever do that. Because the reason that you have to think things through is because you're, it's actually a learning process. You're thinking through things and combining ideas together to make new ideas. And that is a process of learning within your own mind. That's why we think it sequentially like we do. God doesn't do that. He knows it all instantaneously. A good analogy for this is, how do, like you have cognitive simplicity, kind of, when it comes to all the numbers, all the whole numbers between one and 100 or zero and 100. So that if I ask you what number comes after 43, you don't have to go, well, let me see one, two, three, four, and count all the way up to to arrive at 44. Oh, it's 44. Um, You don't have to do that. You immediately know simply that the number after 43 is 44 or the number after 57 is 58. You know, those kind of things. You kind of have something approximating simplicity there. God has that for everything. So he doesn't have to think in a temporal sense that way. And does it need to be asked the question in which to give a response either, which requires time. So. Yeah. yeah. So thank just, you for that just, super it's chat. It's just there. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, you know, um, oh, what is, I can't remember his name. My, my scientific apologetics professor at Biola, really cool guy. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head now. He, he has a degree in I think it was physics, and he also had a degree. He had two doctorates, one in physics and one in uh, archaeology. Sorry, Professor, I can't remember your name. Uh, look him up on online. But, you know, he was telling us that he thinks all of that's gibberish. He thinks that God has some sort of meta time mm-hmm. and thinks that that's... Uh, he had some crazy views. He was like, 
not crazy, but just kind of different views. Because we asked him, are you an old earth creationist or a young earth creationist? He says, I'm a middle earth creationist. <laughs> and believes that God has a meta time. It's not, it's not like some sort of timelessness. Yeah. So very interesting guy. So there's other ideas as well. So you're not like, uh, and Biola hasn't kicked him out like they did Clay Jones for not agreeing with her. It's just dumb stuff. All right, here's one for but you, Bridget. Plantinga's Bulldog wants to know, so I guess it's because you say you're kind of a presuppositionalist sometimes. Are you a Bonsian, a Vantillian, or a Clarkian? I'm not. I just, I'll, well, out of those three, I'll take Bonson over all of them, but I don't, but that's because I like Bonson. He was a, he, had, he was like an encyclopedic knowledge of rock music, but uh, as far as like methodology goes, um, I'm friendliest to the, the, to that but i like i said i'm not a presuppositionalist i think that presuppositionalism can be useful how can i make my christian fundamentalist brothers understand that evolution isn't a problem for christianity well one thing you can do is to ask them um if you became if you found out to your satisfaction that evolution was true would you remain a christian or would you de or would you reject christianity or so how does evolution speak directly to god's existence how does evolution speak to whether jesus rose from the dead that's how I'd approach that. Um, Shannon Q's in the chat, and she says she's going to dress up tastelessly. <laughs> um, someone else is probably asking her a question. What does Pritchett consider to be good versus poor taste in Halloween costumes? Dressing up tastelessly, maybe? Yeah, something that Shannon Q <laughs> might wear. And <laughs> there you go, Shannon Q. Clip that out and put it in a video. Yeah, there you go. No, I mean, well, she said it. Yeah. No, I mean, I just... Um, Oh, it reminds me of, okay, so I, we've been re-watching. Have you ever seen the show How I Met Your Mother? Bracky and Pritch Pritch you, you are ever, getting so famous. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I've seen How I Met Your yeah, Mother. Yeah, so you know when they talked about the slutty pumpkin, right? Things like that for Halloween where they just dress a little bit tacky and tasteless and revealing and mm -hmm. slutty, mm -hmm. you know? But guys do it too. I mean, don't don't walk around in a Speedo costume. Yeah. Okay, here's a good question. Pebo Thulu says, uh, how is Santa equals Zeus any different than Santa equals the Christian deity? Um, so this is actually great. Um, there's, I, I don't want to recommend everything in this man's corpus, but in the book, The Experience of God by David Bentley Hart, he actually talks about how one of the big problems of the new atheism is, and, and like with people like Dawkins, is they imagine God, and this is even uh, illustrated with the term sky daddy, right? They imagine God as a being in time and space who's just bigger and more powerful than uh, every other being, which is more like Zeus, right? I mean, you would imagine, oh, he's bigger and more powerful than Zeus, but still out there somewhere, you know, so that the Russian cosmonauts can go into space and say God doesn't exist because we went into space and didn't see him, right? I mean, you know, this is kind of a thing. And he's not like that. We're, we're actually thinking of God more as the ground of being and the necessary first cause, standing spacelessly, timelessly. That's why you'll hear some of these atheist philosophical types saying, no, that is actually a very important and interesting question. The idea of just some uber, you know, super strong man who we're calling God, who made everything, but he made everything in the sense that he, re, you know, reorganized existing matter on earth to make the earth. You know, that's, that's a completely different concept so far as to not even be put into the category of 
um, the something like the Christian God or the classical theist God. So I'm not sure if there's more you wanted to say there, but um, another thing is Dr. John Bloom was the guy's name, by the way. I had to look it up because oh, I okay. felt bad because I forgot his name. The other, the other thing is, like with Zeus, you can you, you could actually do an exploration of ancient history and uh, kind of look at the history of of Zeus and try to figure out how how did this originate? How did this view originate? But you could actually boil down what some of the major religions of the world think about God. Um, in the theistic sense. And there are some interesting similarities that you can't do with Zeus, what you can do with that. But there's a lot of things to say about that. But simply put, Zeus is a Superman. Santa is a Superman. They're both different Supermen. God is an entirely different concept. Um, okay. Let's see what else we got here. Pritchett talks so that we're not dead air. I'm here. trying to, I'm trying to watch this fascinating Chat oh, Derek says he had a brief convo with Jacqueline Glenn once, and she called Jesus a made-up Jewish zombie. Yeah, like Richard Carrier does. I asked her to prove her assertion Jesus was made up, and she said she didn't have to disprove a negative. Wow. Yeah, that's, there you go. There yeah. you go. There's okay. the dilemma. Right. So that's. If you make a claim, you have a burden of proof. Maybe. Claiming that Jesus is a made-up Jewish zombie is, is a claim. And so if you make a claim, you have to, that's you right. have to give a proof. And the made-up thing. Did Pritchett say he's 42? No, I'm 43. So I'm, I'm older than you, Brian. So what else do we got? Looks like they're just talking amongst themselves. So. Well, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on, that some of which we don't... Was I right about the Dire Straits thing? Was that thing having somebody I never saw say anything yes. like that. Oh. I don't doubt Money it. Money for nothing and chicks for free? It's a song from Before Your Time. I forget that you're what four years. Those four years that you missed, um, you know. If you want to ask a question, a lot of good years. Put question. There. I'm sorry, Pritchett, yeah. but I wanted to say if you want to ask a question, ask a. You put question big in the front, yeah. so that I know it's a question, so that I can see it. Right. Anyway, well, I'm not seeing any more questions. Yeah, they're, we, they're, they're talking to themselves. They don't want to talk. They to don't. Us. They don't want to talk to us. Anymore. We answer questions every week. They're like, uh, we, we ain't got nothing. Well, here's a super chat from Derek. Oh wow. Um. Any YouTube atheists you've tried reaching out to for dialogue and such that have thus far refused? No. No? No. I don't try to reach out for debates slash discussions, and those discussions are typically just debates. I've seen Christians agree to go on certain channels, and many there are many. Like, okay, Shannon Q, when I went on her channel, she was lovely. I mean, it was a wonderful experience. Um, so th this is not the way this way it is that across the board, but there are certain people... Um, that they invite people on for a quote-unquote discussion, and, and it, it, you know, it's just... A, then you get Jewish zombie, made-up Jewish zombie stuff. Right. And it's just, it's, why subject our audience to that kind of torture? So, uh, yeah, th these... these uh, I've told people I'd be happy to have private conversations with them. My point is, why do I need to go on your channel and... and uh, and do all you're, you're much you're much more likely and I'm much more likely probably because of human psychology to be more vulnerable if we just have a private discussion and I've offered that but it hasn't happened and the thing the thing about it is no what you want is you want weekly fodder so that y'all can right. crash each other and then yeah. everyone get, blows up on Twitter for three days and then until the next thing on the next channel and, the thing, and, and I'm so done with this con this whole conversation because yeah. the thing about it is it's like 
if you really wanted to just have a let's be vulnerable and talk, you, you could have a private conversation. The problem is once someone calls me a dishonest charlatan only in it for the money and all that, I have no reason to trust you anymore. I don't I, I don't have any reason to trust this guy. And, I, and so there's no I mean, that's the worst imaginable way to start uh, an interaction. So, yeah, I'm sorry. How's um, my brother? But I don't I still have yet to see how I've been demonstrated to have been dishonest about anything. It's just, um, (laughs) Shannon Key says, I'm a nightmare. He's lying. No. And I want to really want to say something here that, uh, about this, I have talked privately to Shannon on the phone and it was a perfectly wonderful conversation. Okay. It was a perfect phone call. I don't remember what we talked about, but it was great. It was fine. Um, there was a friendliness there. I've been there was on her no show. quid pro quo there. Right? I've been on the, her show, and that was great. You're not getting um, impeached from Trinity. It, when when she when she has responded to my videos, she's been nice about it. When I've responded to her stuff, I've let her know ahead of time I'm going to do it. Uh, this is a healthy back and forth, I think. Thank you for asking about my brother John. He's fine. Yeah, I I, I meant to. Yeah, glad yeah, you saw. He's that. fine. I appreciate all the prayers for my brother. He he he's okay. Okay, here's a question. Uh, some atheists argue that what leads to happiness and well-being is good and what leads to suffering is bad. What are your thoughts? Here's my thoughts. You can never guarantee as a finite human being what's going to lead to happiness or flourishing. I mean, think about that. How do you know? Are you familiar with the butterfly effect, for example? How do you know that what you think is going to lead to flourishing and happiness right now, what we decide today, isn't actually a choice that's going to lead to far greater suffering 10 years from now? You, you don't know. And so um, that's a problem. Secondly, I, I think if it's true that a good that a good morality will will be one that approximates aiming toward happiness, flourishing, well-being, and all those things, you're learning something about goodness and morality that those things are good things. But that's the epistemological side of it. Right. That doesn't speak to the ontological side of what who makes- should care that you think that that's a good thing. Right. Why is that ultimately a good thing? And most people would, would just say, it's not ultimately a good thing, it's, but it's what we agree. And who do you want deciding that? Yeah, but, and that's the thing, like what they often compare it to, and I've talked about this a lot, is like a board game, like chess or something. Mm. You subjectively decide that, that chess, how it works and that it's a game, but then there are objectively better and worse moves within the chess game. But if somebody doesn't care about playing chess, like David Wood, you know, before he was a Christian psychopath there, you know, he doesn't care about your dumb chess game of morality. Why should he care? You have no grounds for saying what he should do. You can say that within your bubble, but you can't point outside okay, of your bubble right. and it's, say you should do what we like to do in our bubble because you have to grant that in an ultimate sense, what you're saying is we like the stuff we do in our bubble and other people like other stuff like killing people. That's their, they're doing what they like. Right. We're doing what so we who, like. So that just pushes it back. So who do you want designing chess, Right. Who do you want making those rules? Like, if I lived in California, I would be going insane right now because uh, Gavin Newsom thinks he understands what keeps me safe is making sure that people can come inside of my own home to use my bathroom as long as it's regularly sanitized, but no more than three uh, families can congregate at my house for things. It's madness. See, I'm sorry. I'm, I'll take my Bible and the New Testament imperatives that Jesus gives me for a guide of human flourishing and happiness then I, I want people, especially uh, Democrats from California, telling me how to... And it's not a slam against all Democrats everywhere, but you got to be kidding me. You think I want other uh, to subject myself to other people coming up with ideas of what is 
good and well for human flourishing and what isn't, how much hamburgers you can have in a year to be, you know, to, to, for your well-being and how many you can't. You know, mm-hmm. what you can do for holidays, it's just madness. I don't want people who – the problem with that, the, the practical problem with that is the amount of control one has when deciding what how to play a game like chess. That, the, and then insist at gunpoint that I play that chess game, right? Mm-hmm. No, that's why religious liberty is important because I've got the creator of the universe telling me how to flourish as a human being, and he knows better even if I don't like all his rules. But I'm certainly not going to like rules that – if people like Gavin Newsom are in charge making the rules for my happiness and well-being, you know, I, he's no more qualified than I am. Yeah. Um, Derek asks best book for Calvinism, best book for Arminianism, wanting to do some studies in my spare time. Pritchett, that's your department. Best book for Calvinism and best book for, okay. Um, the Potter's promise. And what's the name of Tim's book? Uh, Something about Molinism with Tim Stratton. Yeah, mere Molinism. Everything you want to know about Molinism. (laughs) Tim Stratton's book and Leighton Flowers are about the best uh, that you can. I'm I'm sure they won't agree. I'm just helping my friends sell books because here's my thing. There are none. I I can't think of a single for Calvinism, hooray for Calvinism book that I like. And I can't think of a Arminianism is awesome or an Arminianism stinks book that I like. Like all those kind of books from from Calvinist trumpeting Calvinism or trumpeting uh, Arminianism or poo-pooing Calvinism. I don't like very many of them at all. So I, I don't, I've read a couple of them and I don't like any of them. So I'd stay away from those kind of books. What you want to do is you want to get commentaries on Ephesians, Romans, and John by both Calvinists and non-Calvinists and start with the commentaries and read their exegetical cases that lead them to the conclusions theologically that Calvinism is true or false. So read commentaries don't read these here's why calvinism stinks or here's why calvinism's awesome but i will also say if you want just a one-stop shop chris date has a debate book on it that gives you both sides in the same thing so i'll help chris date sell a book but typically these kind of books are they're not they're, when you want to study an issue like that go straight to the commentaries of giving exegesis of, of the relevant passages that they typically uh, proof text for their view. That's where you need to start. Don't, Gregory Fisher don't says, love you guys. Thank you for that $5 super chat, Gregory. That means so much. Um, all right, Derek, that's a substantial man. Thank you so much for that yeah. $15. I really appreciate that. When it comes to evil and suffering is the defense. God could have, could have morally sufficient reasons, consequentialism. Well, when it comes to anything that we do, there's a, there's an element of consequentialism involved when it comes to any of these things. Um, it's just that, that that shouldn't necessarily be your overriding ethic for you as a human being functioning because you can't see all sides of things and you have things like butterfly effect and all that sort of thing. However, this would come to a little bit of a question of how you understand the problem of ev- or the, what theodicy you take, that is, reason you think God is just in the midst of evil. So, for example, uh, a Calvinist Reformed person who takes a perspective of um, uh, the Reformed theodicy uh, where, where everything is determined there actually the evil acts. It's not that like God's, I mean, many Calvinists wouldn't put it this way. Okay. So I'm caveating that again, but it's not so much that God is, well, I have to put up with this evil thing so that I can get this good thing over here. No, he, the evil is good in itself insofar as it's a good God wants, just like this is a good God wants because it's all a part of this tapestry that God wants 
so that it's it's actually the, it's not like the ends justify the means. That's the that's the end and means itself too. So that all of these things are intentional. Now I take a free will theodicy along with a character building sort of theodicy, but I think you could still say something like that there because those are all things that God wants uh, in the sense that He brings goods out of them uh, like His own glory or our you know building us. Uh, into better people. So I think it's probably fair to say everything has a little element of consequentialism in it. But I think what the Odyssey you take uh, impacts this big. And then, of course, this will sound like a cop out to some people. But when we're talking about God, um, it's wrong ethically for us to try and do the ends justify the means sort of things because we can't see every aspect of this and we don't have the sovereign position of authority. God's in a little bit of a different situation tommy says tommy s he says hey california yeah the climate's great but if you want people telling you how loud you can sing under your mask in your own house have fun with it the rest of us think that y'all are insane out there in california for voting for these kind of people but john uh, beaver says do the viewers know that liking the video helps with the algorithm and growing the channel so does not liking it by the way well i was gonna say I was going to be dishonest, Pritchett, and I was going to, because you know how dishonest right, and money-hungry I am. <laughs> but I was going to say, hey, if you want to hurt the video, thumb it down. But, of course, thumbing it down or thumbing it up helps the algorithm. Yeah. So, um, uh, Exactly. I agree with Jonathan. We don't know what they were agreeing with you about, but isn't it glad, good to know people were agreeing with you? Um, uh, okay, well, we're getting we're getting down... Yeah, is, we talked about politics today. Well, it's because of counter apologists. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we hardly ever talk about politics. Okay, I didn't see it, but somewhere Joseph Shipley uh, became a channel member. So Joseph, Ooh, welcome. Yeah. Welcome to Trinity Radio. So glad that you're here. Oh, counter apologists just showed up. Well, you certainly deserve to be thrown up on the screen. Um, just got here. I'll have to wait to watch the actual criticism. Well, there's a lot of agreement, some criticism, but where the criticism appears, I think it was done in a charitable manner like you did. And so uh, this is a great example. Depending on how you approach us, uh, you know, it depends on how you're treated, right? Just like with anything in life. Um, Marcia Jennings, we love Marcia. I live in Folsom, California. We are more conservative, but are outnumbered. Yeah, well, we'll be in prayer for you. You know, foreign missions, Marcia, you're doing foreign missions for the Lord. Look, I have friends who are Democrats who think Democrats in California are insane. So I'm, this is not, I'm just saying California. Okay. That, that's, you know, California, that, those kind of rules for holidays are just insane. And yeah, uh, clicking the bell helps the algorithm. Well, listen, folks, I've really enjoyed this today. I thank you for all the ch- super chats. We love you so much. We're going to get off of here. I've got to go pick my daughter up from school, but, um, Oh, by the way, one last thing you said, your brother is doing well. Yes. Okay, that's important. Some of you remember that last week, in last week's stream, I said I wanted prayer because of something I couldn't really talk about, but prayed that God would answer that. God answered that in the most dramatic way. I told Pritchett about it, and he, I think I may have seen a tear in his eye. Um, but, uh, but it was like I, I was praying one of the most desperate prayers of desperation I've ever prayed. And I told God, Lord, I'm going to believe as best I know how to believe that this is going to be resolved. I don't even, I don't know that I can, you know, I'm, I'm fallible like that, but, but it was resolved against all the odds, um, in a moment of time. And I, I thank you all so much for your part of that. 
Uh, this is the kind of reason why I say about atheists who say, well, prayer doesn't work and prayer has been proven in all these studies that don't follow the biblical guidelines for prayer and all these kind of things. But um, when you live the Christian life long enough and you um, experience it time and time again with what we would call um, extreme answered prayers like this one, it's um, it, it, it only bolsters your faith. Yeah. So anyway, on that note, um, we appreciate you all again. And where's my music? Do I have music? Let's throw, let's, let's throw, let's throw, let's throw the well, music Here's up. another thing. I mean, sure. At some point you can, at some point you have to stop saying, yeah, this is just a coincidence. This is just a coincidence. This answer prayer is just a coincidence. This, as those pile up over the, the Christian life, uh, our atheist friends will never understand this, but just saying that these are just happy coincidences over and over and over again that coincide with the, the times that you pray. Uh, for big things like that happening, life-changing things, life-altering things, it stops. Maybe you don't think it's good that we don't continue to just think that this has to be yet another coincidence. But that that that's still, that's not compelling for us, and we think we're justified in not being persuaded that these, that prayer doesn't really get answered. It's just always a coincidence. When you experience it on this end, that, that, that becomes less and less likely from our from our perspective so that's not a good good thing we'll see you next time on trinity radio It's not confirmation bias. It's just confirmation from God. Those aren't.